You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Uptown Square Media Station. WTUG HD2 Northport. W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolates here out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Look, I'm not saying it's going to result in a letter grade or two or maybe a letter grade and a half jump in terms of the final grade, you know, for the academic calendar year but those teacher gifts over at peterbrook chocolates here never a bad idea wish we had had them back in my day back in my day it might have been the difference between that 2.3 and a 3.2 for yours truly but peterbrook chocolates here teacher gifts they can certainly take care of you from that perspective as well joined on the program by jacob harrison the executive producer of southern fried sports and together we combine to form the 60 bit of Of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, how you doing this morning? I'm doing all right. Sorry you didn't get to hear the woo there. That's okay. It, it was there, there. You just didn't get to hear it. You know, the nature boy is there in spirit, even when I don't hear him. So I know he's there. But, uh, yeah, we've got a Friday show to get to you here. A lot to talk about on this Friday, but certainly always room for you as well. 205 342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board with us, I see here, Jacob, where Jalen Waddle now listed among the Alabama players that will in fact be on hand for opening night of the 2021 NFL draft. How about that? Next Thursday. I mean, we're inside a week. I bet Jacob Harrison's not able to sleep at this point. You able to get any sleep right now with the draft so so right here upon us, Jacob? I sleep like a baby. But, it, 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 I mean, I am still excited, though. I mean, 13% of the guys that are going to be in person at the draft are going to be from Alabama. That's hype. And also, you know, Christian Barmore, when he gets drafted, can go up there and give old Roger Goodell a big old hug in front of 50,000 people. That's incredible. Yeah, and might have six drafted, may not have all the draft picks there and have 13% uh, of the potential uh, uh, first-round picks there, I guess, uh, and, and still could have six taken. I guess, uh, is it Najee of the group that's not going to be there? Who's not going to be there of the potential six, I guess, is what I'm thinking of right now. Uh, I Landon and ago. Najee are the the two. Okay. All right, there you go. But uh, we're going to get you ready for the draft coming up throughout the program. We're going to talk some SEC football because you still have a couple of spring games out there of note coming up this weekend. Texas A&M with Jimbo, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, uh, Tennessee with Josh Heupel. You got some quarterback situations you're still trying to figure out. With a couple of those, not so much as we know over at Ole Miss, Matt Corral back after a 
big season in year one under the Lane train, riding the Lane train over there in Oxford. So we'll talk some Southeastern Conference football with you as well. 205-342-9904. That is the number to call if you'd like to jump on board. Just terrible news out of Los Angeles yesterday evening into the nighttime hours. Terrence Clark, who previously spent the year at the University of Kentucky, dies in a car accident in Los Angeles, just 19 years old. Everything in front of Terrence Clark, everything you've heard or read about him at least, just a guy with an infectious smile, uh, lit up every room he walked into. Uh, obviously, a mega-talented young basketball player with a great future on the court right there in front of him, gone too soon at the age of 19. I've about had it with Los Angeles, okay, for the last couple of years. Between Kobe, between Terrence Clark now, uh, Tiger Woods and his situation out there in the L.A. area. Just uh, terrible, terrible news out of Southern California yesterday. And we certainly send our thoughts and prayers to the Clark family, his loved ones, his friends, 19 years old. Hey, we are going to get into uh, some more of our talk from yesterday, by the way. We posed the question yesterday. You can take one Alabama player past or present to build an NFL team around in 2021. Who are you taking? Jacob Harrison and myself both went with Tua. I made the case for Will Anderson as an edge defender. Yeah, that's right. After just one season. What if you could go back, back though, Jacob Harrison and understanding, you know, hard to project players that cross eras in professional football just because, well, guys continue to get bigger, stronger, faster, and the game itself, how it's played, continues to change. But it seems like there's one guy I can think of from back in the day, or at least a good bit back in the day. If you go back 20-plus years, let's say, if you went back 20-plus years and tried to pick out one former Alabama player that would fit in today's game, I think that's a pretty easy one, isn't it? Should be pretty easy. Derek Thomas, uh, Derek Thomas had that pass rush ability that you could pretty much use in any era, and especially in this one, more so in this one. You know, here's the thing about Derek Thomas that I find kind of amazing, and I understand back in his era, you still had some guys like uh, LT. You had Lawrence Taylor around. You had some really good outside linebackers uh, back in that era as well. Derek Thomas in his 11-year career, Jacob Harrison, did you know Derek Thomas was All-Pro just three times? And I know, look, three-time All-Pro, that still, that still equates to a Hall of Fame career. Don't get me wrong. But when I saw that number, I was thinking 11 years, Derek Thomas probably All-Pro for half of those. And again, All-Pro, that's a whole other level from, say, Pro Bowl. I think people get a little bit mixed up on that or think that they're comparable. You know, you're all pro. You're one of 20 guys, 25 guys, basically. You make a Pro Bowl. Well, that's AFC Pro Bowl. That's NFC Pro Bowl. And you're talking about 80, 90 guys, maybe, in some instances. So a whole different realm of achievement when you talk about all pro. But I was a little surprised to see DT just three time all pro in 11 years with the Kansas City Chiefs. 205-342-9904. Let's go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now and check in with Corey on a Friday morning. Corey, how are you doing? Hey, Travis. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, sir. Thank you for asking. Did you see uh, Landon Dickerson's uh, interview with the NFL draft people this morning? Was it the one where he said he set up his carport? For yeah. like workouts, yeah. <laughs> I, have a I did catch a snippet of that. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Is that something he's supposed to do, or is that against NCAA rules? Ah, uh, you know, I think I don't think they probably, assuming it actually went off the way Landon presented it. I don't think it would be preferred in a pandemic, first and foremost. I would think you would be more worried about maybe CDC regulations superseding even NCAA 
mandates at that point. But uh, I don't know what a statute of limitations is on something like that, but it made for a hell of a story regardless, right? But it's nothing the NCAA would enforce or anything. I don't, you know, I, here's what I think. I think if I'm Alabama compliance, and again, when I talk about some of the worst jobs in all sports, compliance officer at a Power 5 university ranks near the top of that list, along with spe- sports information, probably. Those are the, the jobs I'd probably least prefer to have, having to deal with all these different people and stuff. It just seems like a lot of sports information people are just miserable all the time. I, I wouldn't want that in my life on a daily basis. Um, I would, I would think, I would think if you are a compliance worker and you hear a student athlete past or present outline that sort of scenario, you probably cringe. You at least cringe a little bit, Corey. Well, but I I don't, I I don't, I I guess what I'm saying is I think Alabama's okay. I think Alabama's going to be okay. Um, and again, it's a heck of a story. Yeah, but the main reason why I called was, what do you think about this Louisiana series coming up this weekend? I think everything for Alabama probably from this point forward is a dogfight because um, with the injuries and the lineup being what it is at this point, uh, Montana Fouts is going to have to continue to be that dominant force that has struck out 10-plus batters in, what, five straight starts now? She's going to have to be that good. I think where there's some silver lining this weekend is that it's a non-conference weekend. So regardless of your availability of some key players, um, it, at least it's not a conference weekend. That being said, there's only a couple conference weekends left. I think for Alabama right now, even though it is Louisiana, it's still a top 15 team coming into the Rhodes house. So you need wins, right? You just need wins. Um, you know, in terms of value, to your resume, uh, wins this weekend over Louisiana might weigh heavier than, say, Georgia or Ole Miss before you host the SEC tournament coming up in a little less than a month from now. So uh, it's a tough spot for Murph. It's the thing that we talked about before the season, and it's kind of played out during the season in terms of depth and you know what they have to work with right now. But again, when you do have a Montana Fouts, um, you know, you got a shot every time she goes out there, but it, it will be interesting to see with a two game series, how they go about placing the pitching out there, uh, tomorrow and Sunday, right? As we sit here today, do you still think Alabama's the top eight worthy seed? I think they are right now. And I think the schedule sets up for them where, again, if they take care of business in these last three weekends before they host the SEC tournament, um, you know, it could be tight when it's all said and done, but what are they ranked fifth right now? I don't know the, the RPI numbers maybe as well I as I Alabama's should. Number, I think Alabama's number three in the RPI. Yeah, I think they're good right now. And again, they're better than Louisiana, even with the injuries, they're better than Georgia, uh, and they're better than Ole Miss. So let's say they go, what do they got? Eight regular season games or at least weekend games left. Um, yeah. let's say they go six and two, five and three before they get to the SEC tournament. Uh, I still think that's good enough to to get them into that that top eight seed. Yeah, I mean, I think you definitely want to win both series between Georgia and Ole Miss, and then if you can at least split with with Louisiana, yeah, I think that'll that's get the job and, done. That's five and three. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, and then I mean. I think the more realistic, if you can sweep Ole Miss, that'll be great. I know going back, that's going to be very tough. And with the SEC tournament on the rise, it, I know you want to win it because you're at home, but uh, with Alabama's injuries, that probably makes it more difficult. But the, the key is hosting a regional and super regional for, for your Alabama, and uh, that's, that's probably the key, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely, no doubt. And I see where some folks, especially from the baseball perspective, aren't happy with the NCAA mandate for regional and super regional hosts, you see where they're going to cap it at 50%. And so I know the Mississippi schools, specifically Mississippi State baseball, isn't very happy about that. 
because uh, they've just about opened it back up over there in the Magnolia State. Hey, Corey, we got to keep it moving, but we always appreciate the phone call here on the show, my friend. Good, good talk to you, Travis. Roll Tide. Thanks, Corey. Have a great weekend. Let's go back to the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio line at 205-342-9904. Check in with Lewis on a Friday morning. Lewis, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Travis. Enjoying the show, man. Um, do you, you probably are aware of this, but do you remember or realize that Derek Thomas had seven sacks in one NFL game? I believe it was against the Seahawks, right? And they they still lost that game. I think he got Dave Craig was the quarterback for the Seahawks seven times. If my wow, memory, there you go. My ever, there you go. Did I get it? All right, Lewis. <laughs> I, that's why. I don't. I, I don't recall yeah. Very good, yeah. Travis. Uh, very good. I didn't remember who it was against, but seven sacks in one season would be would be an awesome number. Well, you remember that? Uh, I think it was the '88 Penn State game at Legion Field, right? I mean, Tony Saka, he had to feel like he was sacked at least eleven times in that game. Ah. Derek was so disruptive, incredibly disruptive. Yes. When yes, when you mentioned. Uh, that you were going to bring somebody up from 20 years ago, I thought it's got to be Derek Thomas. He was he was <laughs> quite a force, quite a force. Hey, have a good weekend, Travis. Always enjoy the show, man. You bet. Thank you, Lewis. You have a great weekend yourself. We'll talk again soon. There he goes, Lewis checking in. Absolutely. Derek Thomas would probably be even more prominent in today's NFL with the way the game's played. Do you think, you know, we had Tony Baselli on the program a few years back, Tony Baselli, the outstanding offensive tackle from USC, then with our Jacksonville Jaguars. And then very briefly with the Houston Texans, Tony's career shortened by shoulder problems. Tony Baselli should still be a hall of famer, even with the, the shortened career guy was just brutal brutally dominant and he said on tuscaloosa radio airwaves that he didn't have much of a problem dealing with Derek thomas because tony said his specialty as a pass protector was speed guys he said it wasn't necessarily the pure twitch get off speed guys that gave him the most problems it was the guys that could convert convert speed to power more like a Reggie white probably was an issue for Tony Baselli than Derek Thomas. But Derek was a problem for a lot of cats out there, both at the sec and national football league levels. Going to head to our first break. When we come back, my colleague there at BamaOnline.com, Charlie Potter's going to join us on a Friday. Charlie's been, uh, he's been coming up with some depth charts over there at BamaOnline.com. We'll get the unauthorized, unauthorized edition of the Alabama depth chart when we talk with Charlie on a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Everwood Treatment Company, the official treated lumber of Alabama athletics. Everwood, wood treated right. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama Athletics has formalized its plans to honor Cameron Luke Ratliff, better known as Fluffopotamus or Fluff. Ratliff was an active student leader and president of Crimson Chaos and passed away on... It's happened again in Alabama, a tornado emergency. One local radio company's stations broke in with life-saving information to help protect you and your family. That company was our company, Town Square Media. And here on Tide 100.9, we stand committed to do our part for the city and towns we love. When tornadoes touch down in Tuscaloosa, count on Tide 100.9 every time. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sky partially sunny this afternoon, the high today 71. Becoming cloudy tonight, rain and strong storms arrive after midnight, the low 55. Tomorrow, rain tapers off during the morning. Another round of storms possible tomorrow afternoon, the high 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 66 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. 
26 birthdays the last couple of days. Yesterday it was Glenn Campbell, born yesterday in 1936, and today the late great Roy Orbis, born on this day in 1936, so there you go. Bop, 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 bop. It's that time on Friday when we like to go to the Peter Brook Chad Mathieu studio line at 205-342-9904. Check in with Charlie Potter. Does an outstanding job covering the Alabama Crimson Tide for BamaOnline.com. Charlie, as we bring you on here, uh, where are we at with the Braves? Eight and ten overall. Got the Diamondbacks coming in for the weekend. Seven-game homestand getting underway over there at Truist Park. What is the concern level? at this point for Charlie Potter, where the Atlanta Braves are concerned? Yeah, I mean, it's still early. Um, I'll admit I haven't really watched much Braves baseball ever since the whole TV deal changed. Um, It it was nice to be able to turn on Fox Sports South and and watch them every night, or at least have them on his background voice, (laughs) but that hasn't happened. So, um, I mean, you know, 8 and 10 is not a great start, but we both know there's plenty of baseball still left. And we've got the NFL draft, also known as the Alabama infomercial, or at least that one for the particular week anyway. It seems like almost every week uh, there's some sort of Alabama football infomercial. This one's set to take place up in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, Five Alabama players now, as I noted earlier, expected to be on hand when things get underway next Thursday night up in Cleveland. Uh, are any of those guys, are you worried about any of those guys as far as being on green room watch, as far as that first round goes, Charlie? Um, you know, of the five, I'd probably lean toward Christian Barmore, um, in terms of just concern that he might have to you know, spend two days in, in the green room. Um, and you look at the, the five that are there and Mac Jones, you have both receivers and Smitty and Waddle, and you have Patrick Sutan second in the corner. And, you know, you just look at mock drafts, from anywhere really and then all four of those guys are you know projected to be uh first round picks and, and likely to go in the, the top half of the draft but you know barmore is a little uh less consistent um you know i think alabama has a shot to have five or six guys drafted in the first round and we all know that six is the the record which miami set in the early 2000s and you know a guy like barmore is in that mix it's just like i said it hasn't been as consistent when you look at mock drafts and Mock drafts aren't the end-all, be-all, but um, that's what we have to work with at this point. I think he and a guy like Najee Harris and maybe even uh, Atlanta Dickerson or Alex Leatherwood you know, could hear their name called at the end of the draft. It depends on how the, the top half goes and how the linemen come off the board and things like that, uh, the other skill positions like receiver. But um, of the guys that are going to be in Cleveland, um, yeah, I think Barmore would be the guy to, you know, that could be you know, having an extended stay in terms of sitting in the green room. Those top four guys are at least how they're being presented to us as the first four guys that'll come off the board for Alabama. I think it's going to be intriguing television because I'm not sure we totally know in what order they're going to come off the board. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Mac in that third spot with the 49ers, but you got a lot of folks out there screaming smokescreen or they don't see the Niners taking Mac there at three. Do you... Do you have a feel right now or a prediction in terms of how you see Jones, Smith, Waddle, Sertan coming off the board in order? Would anything surprise you where those guys are concerned? You know, it, it's it's always tough to try to project where they're going to go. And, you know, last year um, you had Alabama players, you know, drafted bang, bang, bang in the, the top half of the first draft. And I think some of us thought that maybe Jerry Judy would go ahead of Henry Ruggs. So it's, it's, it's kind of hard to, to predict, but you just look at the, the draft order. And it, I think everyone would agree that the draft starts at number three with the 49ers. And it will be fascinating to see, you know, what they do if the, the Mac Jones, the San Francisco hype is real, or if, you know, like you said, it is a smoke screen, but I don't really know the benefit of, of putting that out there. Or, you know, a lot of people thinking that's going to be the case when you think that guys like Trevor Lawrence are going to go number one and Zach Wilson from BYU will go two to the Jets. So um, 
you know, I think the receivers will be what are um, the most interesting because you look at a team like the Bengals at five. I know they could use some offensive line help, but you know, the the top end of this draft in terms of your know, wide receivers and help on the outside is elite. And uh, a team like the Dolphins at six, they could use some help on the outside for for Tua. Uh, the Detroit Lions could always use uh, another pass catcher, and then teams like the Giants and the Eagles at ten and eleven or uh, eleven and twelve. Sorry. Um, they could take a wide receiver. So those teams, really from 5 to 12, it would just kind of depend how it falls and where the quarterbacks go and you know who trades up and, and whatnot. But then smack dab in the middle of that, teams like the, the Broncos and the Cowboys, especially the Cowboys, it could use some, some defensive backup. I think the Cowboys more so than the Broncos. They might have added some people in free agency. But um, you know, Dallas at number 10 has been a popular landing spot for Patrick Sertan and you know, if the, the first half of the draft or the the first, what, seven picks is quarterback heavy and there's maybe a, a tackle or a one right as receiver taken, you could see guys like Smitty or Waddle go to the Giants or the Eagles at 11 or 12. So, yeah, I mean, just that, I already have myself even more confused after saying it like that. So <laughs> it, it'll be really interesting to see how next Thursday night plays out for sure. Yeah, I mean, you don't know draft night trades, right? Are leading up to the draft if if Belichick decides to go up, uh, if the Broncos decide, look, we're not happy with Drew Locke and we need to even go up a, or try to go up a couple of spots there at the quarterback positions. There's so many variables that are hard to sort of decipher. Who's a guy maybe right now that isn't being projected as a first round pick from the Alabama contingent that you think could still have a 10-year career in the National Football League. Which which of those guys uh, do you think would, would most likely fit that bill? Yeah, it's just tough because, again, it's, it's all about consistency because if some mock drafts have a guy like Landon Dickerson sneaking into the, the end of the first round to maybe Kansas City or, or some team like that, um, I think Dickerson, if healthy, can be an elite player in the NFL. But a guy that we haven't really seen at all uh, projected – in the first round is a guy, Dylan Moses. He's a guy that last year played through a lot of pain. Um, you know, he wasn't quite himself and, um, you know, that didn't necessarily hurt Alabama cause it went 13 and zero. but a healthy Dylan Moses is one of the most athletic linebackers, uh, in this draft. And I think, you know, he's a guy that he'll wait until day two, maybe even early day three to hear his name called. But, you know, a couple of years now removed from that knee injury, uh, that he suffered and, and missed the 2020 season or the 2019 season. Um, you know, it, it could be a situation where, you know, Dylan returns to his old form and you, know, you see a really elite defender. So I think, you know, with, if his medical checks out and everything and he continues to get um, healthy and healthier and healthier, um, I think Dylan Moses can be a guy that comes in and, and claims a starting role and, and has a really successful career. Yeah. We talk about, the potential for four or five, six first rounders, but there's still some guys that from a value perspective with Alabama ties that are very much in play. Dylan Moses, it's kind of amazing how he is flying under the radar to the extent he is given the expectations for him going into the 2020 season, Alex Leatherwood, you know, potentially one of those guys as well. If, if he doesn't find a way into the, the first round between his ability to play a couple of different positions. And certainly from a character standpoint, you're going to love everything you get with Alex Leatherwood. So uh, good stuff with those guys. Let's talk about Alabama football, looking ahead to the 2021 season. I know you have issued the unauthorized unabridged account of the Alabama depth chart here in the last couple <laughs> of days, Charlie. Um, I guess offensively, it can get a little tricky with an emphasis on the offensive line and also wide receiver. Because when you look at that offensive line, the guys that we saw or heard about primarily with the first group are also guys that can play multiple positions. They are guys that have, I guess, played multiple positions. So uh, the moving pieces, it's literal, I guess, when you talk about this offensive line and, you know, also who you're hoping to get back from an injury standpoint in August. Yeah, I think the offensive line, I know uh, there were probably some concerns about it coming out of the spring, but again, you know, Emil Ekior wasn't out there. He's going to be a starter at one of the guard spots. I think Pierce Quick will add to the competition. And you know, Nick Saban even said, 
you know, if, if they were healthy and had everybody available, you know, he thinks the offensive line can be really good this fall. And um, you know, I think you got to pencil in Evan Neal as the starter at left tackle. I think Chris Owens is probably the guy at, at center. And again, Akio will be one of the guard spots. I think he, you know, can play on either side of the line. But then they have options. Um, and like you said, you know, Tommy Brown and, and JV and Cohen are guys that we saw at the guard spots. I think Cohen can play some tackle. I think Brown's played it in the past as well. Uh, Damian George, you know, played some at, at right tackle the ones. He saw some reps at, at right guard. Uh, Kendall Randolph is Mr. Versatility with being able to play tackle. And um, I think he can play some guard. And he's a, a pseudo tight end for that offensive line. So those are just guys uh, that have been in the program now for at least a year and an additional spring. But then, you know, guys like Tommy Brockermeyer and J.C. Latham, the two five-stars, I think are, are guys that people shouldn't sleep on. So I think the, the good thing for the offensive line is um, it's still a work in progress, but they have plenty of options to choose from, and it's all about finding the, the five best players. So I, I think that could be a really good group this fall. Is it going to maybe take a step back from a offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award and had guys win the Remington and the Allen Trophy? Probably. I mean, that's tough to, to come back from. But I think it can be – you know, more than serviceable and, and and one of the the top offensive lines in the country if they can find the right pieces and get guys to stay healthy. Wide receiver, Ajay Hall, announced his presence, sort of like John Mechie a couple of A days ago. Um, that number three spot, is that where the competition starts? We talk about the NFL draft and the third pick. Is the third spot in that wide receiver rotation where the competition really picks up or – well, assuming John Mechie is is obviously safe at the top spot, Slade Bolden's played a lot of football last year anyway uh, in the slot primarily. Is is that what we're we're looking at with a Jai Hall and Javon Baker, Trayshawn Holden, some other guys, Xavier Williams in that mix? I think so. I mean, yeah, I think John Mechie's the the clear number one, and uh, you know, Slade Bolden has what three starts under his belt from last year. So he got it stepped in admirably for uh, Jalen uh, Waddle. So I, I think that finding that third and really fourth and fifth guys is going to be important because you know, I think there were some inconsistencies from the, the other players you know, this spring. Um, you know, I think Javon Baker, Treshawn Holden, uh, Xavier Williams, those are guys that pretty consistently worked with the first team, but you know they had some drops, and that was apparent in the A-Day game. The same goes for uh, the young guys, Dayu Jones-Bell, Ja'Cory Brooks, Christian Leary, and of course, Jai Hall, you know, worked with the twos for the most part. And, you know, the, the scrimmages that were close to the public, they dealt with some drops too. And I know Jai Hall had a really big 8A game and, and maybe that'll be a sort of coming out party for him. And he's a guy that takes on a, a big role for this offense, but I still think there's a lot of work ahead for this uh, receiving core. I don't think um, you know, the competition is, is really settled there. But they again, they have some options. Um, they have some guys that have been in the program and some young guys they feel pretty good about. And uh, it's a shame, really, we didn't get to see Brooks and Leary in the 8-8 game and see what they can do. But a guy like JoJo Earl, you know, he's a guy that's coming in. He has some experience as a returner, but he's an electric playmaker. And I think we'll, he'll be in the mix as well. So I, I think that you're kind of figuring out this wide receiver rotation, really. Uh, we'll play into the spring a lot like the offensive line and figuring that out will, but um, there's still time. I mean, there's time for these young guys to, to settle down and to be more consistent. And um, I do think though, like you said, it starts at the number three spot and, and then trickles down from there. So we'll round out this rotation. Defensively, no Will Anderson, no Christian Harris at the linebacker level in the eight, a game, no problem as saw some guys step forward, young guys like Chris Braswell, uh, Deontay Lawson, very impressive as an early enrollee at inside linebacker. And I guess most importantly, it looks like Jalen Moody isn't getting caught up in the noise about the potential for Henry Toa Toa to join that mix there at inside linebacker. He just, he seems intent Charlie on just making such a strong case for himself that it's going to be really hard to keep him off the field alongside Christian Harris, regardless of what happens. Yeah. I thought Jalen Moody had a really good spring from start to finish. And you know, he's a guy that the man that will linebacker spot opposite of, of Harris who moved to the mic. And, um, you know, he's a guy that he played really well in the Arkansas game last year. And that really, you know, carried over. I think he sees the opportunity that's in front of him. 
and he's taking advantage of it. And that says a lot too, because like you said, you know, the biggest, or one of the biggest takeaways for me from the eight day game was just the, the depth uh, on the defensive side of the ball, especially up front and that inside linebacker uh, room without Christian Harris, without Shane Lee, they didn't really, you know, miss the beat. Maybe there was some hiccups. I know there was a mental error um, on the touchdown to Cameron Latou, but guys like Moody and Lawson and Kennedy and Bratton, you know, they played well. And um, I think for a position that loses guys like Dylan Moses, and Josh McMillan and Ali Cajo, um, you know, that's some, some big attrition for a group that we've seen that's been hit by injuries and have to, um, you know, play true freshmen and guys that aren't ready. But I think the depth of that position, um, is is really good. It's really good. I'm a defensive line and an outside linebacker too. But I think that says even more about the spring and the consistency from a guy like Jalen Moody that he's able to hold off a lot of these talented young guys and and maintain that spot in the first team. And you know we'll see what happens in terms of if Alabama is going to add another piece to the puzzle on defense and, and bring in a guy like Henry Toa Toa. I think he would obviously you know compete for the job and everything. But Jalen Moody, you know, showed that, that he's not ready just to back down and give it to, to anybody, that this is a job that he wants and, and he's going to fight for it. And right now he's the leader in the clubhouse to be that will linebacker exiting in spring. Similar, I guess, at the corner opposite Job too, right, with Armour Davis. And by all accounts, Jalen Armour Davis, a guy that's been around, a program veteran as he's qualified to call himself at this point. And, Seemed to take that corner job by the throat, but that's not going to stop anybody from kind of continuing to talk up to Quincy McKinstry, understandably so. He made a nice account of himself in the spring game, and you got some guys that weren't entirely available in the spring. So that's another competition that you're going to, I guess, have to keep your eyes on well into fall camp. Yeah, and I do think that Jalen Armour Davis, um, you know, played well this spring, and uh, he's a guy that, you know, went wire to wire just like Moody with the ones. And, you know, he has a prime opportunity in front of him. And just like Moody, he's grabbing it, like you said, by the throat. And um, there's going to be competition. I think it's going to, you know, continue. But, you know, when they start preseason camp in a few months, I expect number five to be there on the outside. Um, I, I do think that guys like Kool-Aid and uh, Marcus Banks are, are stiff competition for him. They're not going to make it easy. Um, you think about other guys that have been in the program now for a little bit, guys like Ronald Williams and Brandon Turnage. Uh, you're going to be adding some guys in the summer, like a Kyrie Jackson, a junior college transfer who's long and has some really impressive tape. But you know, Armour Davis is entering his fourth year in the program, and you know, we saw that they trust him. You know, they put him into the national championship game when Malachi Moore was out and Jordan Battle left with, um, or after a targeting penalty, and, and he played well. And I think, again, it's, carry over from that confidence from that that has allowed him to really kind of flourish and, and be comfortable this spring and I thought in the 8A game he looked good it sounds like he had really good uh, scrimmages the, the first two times out and again he's a guy that yes he's going to face competition but he's going to make it very difficult for, for guys to, to knock him off his spot Well Charlie we always appreciate you and your spot here on Fridays with us on Southern Fried Sports always great stuff there at BamaOnline.com be sure to Check out Charlie and the rest of us there at BOL on a daily basis. And if you haven't already, you can certainly follow Charlie on Twitter at Charlie underscore Potter, P-O-T-T-E-R. Have a great weekend, Charlie, and we'll talk again soon. All right, man. Thanks for having me. There it goes, Charlie Potter. We also do the Bama online podcast uh, in tandem, Charlie and myself. You catch that weekly there at Bama online com as well. Going to step aside for a break and we come back more of a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Every time I look into your loving eyes, I see love that money just can't buy. One look from you, I drift away. I pray. 
105.9 FM. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Thanks again to Charlie Potter, my colleague there at BamaOnline.com, joining us on the program. Charlie playing a little bit hurt. Charlie went and got that second vac shot. Now I'm not looking forward to it. I'm due my second shot one week from tomorrow. The chocolate lady and myself. A Moderna date. You ever hear of that, Jacob Harrison? That's what happens when you get old. When you get old as a couple, you go on Moderna dates. That's what we're doing these days. So uh, I hope Charlie rebounds here pretty quickly. And not looking forward to that second shot. Not looking forward to it. You know something else I did this morning? You ever get a straight edge razor shave? Like an old school barber shop? Recline in the chair. Put your juggler, the fate of your jugular, in the hands of a professional and get a good old fashioned straight edge razor shave. Did that this morning. You know, with the hot shaving cream. A lot of trust involved there. A lot of trust in the hands of a stranger. Live to tell about it. I'd recommend it. Yeah, treat yourself. Treat yourself, especially on a Friday, right? We'll treat ourselves to Pops coming up here in just a few moments. Time to check in with Pops on a Friday. We'll do that as we put a wrap on a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Tom. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sky partially sunny this afternoon, the high today 71. Becoming cloudy tonight, rain and strong storms arrive after midnight, the low 55. Tomorrow, rain tapers off during the morning. Another round of storms possible tomorrow afternoon, the high 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 66 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Had a Pops twofer today. Pops, we have Roy Orbison's birthday. So we've been playing some Roy on the program today. And on this date in 1971, the Rolling Stones released Sticky Fingers, which had this one on there. One of your personal favorites, a little brown sugar for brown you on a Friday, sugar. Pops. I'm telling you, they can do it. They yeah. can do it. There's no doubt about it. Roy Orbison. Every I time like I hear the stones from that era, I think about you and those ne'er-do-well softball friends of yours, you know. Well, you know, <laughs> those were the good Rolling around days. the southeast in an awful van, oh, playing yeah. fast pitch softball on the weekends, you and those you awful friends of yours. Don't that window, whatever you do. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Pops. Yeah. The Stones recorded. They recorded Brown Sugar in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, Muscle yeah. Shoals. There's all kind of things that go on in Muscle Shoals. Streetcar racing is, is is big in Muscle Shoals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. There you go. A little. Brown Sugar up there. Uh, they finished writing Wild Horses and recorded Wild Horses up there at that same mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. in Muscle Shoals. The Rolling Stones did. Isn't that something? Yeah. I, a lot I of mean, history it, up there really in the Shoals. A small town like that. There's a lot of history hey, Pops, there. Have you ever gotten a straight edge razor shave like an old school traditional barbershop straight edge 
razor shaved? Because I got one this morning, Pops. I got one. <laughs> no, I never have. Is that never a trust have. issue for you? Is that you? You not trust the no, the no I just, to do that? I, I don't. I don't know. I've just. I've never. You know, every time I watch a western, and and they're always getting the shave and everything in the chair, the barber chair. I think about it then. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, man, that must be nice to have somebody just shave you and everything. But I, I, I have never done it. No. You know what I think of? I think of when you think of movies and televisions and straight edge razors. Uh, the movie The Color Purple with Whoopi Goldberg and Danny Glover. That awful right. heinous character he plays mm-hmm. where she has to shave him like on the front porch, you know? <laughs> and uh, I don't know how she doesn't keep from just uh, <laughs> giving Danny his last shave ever. Exactly. Uh, exactly. You know, in that movie. Yeah. So that's... That- that's what comes to mind for me on those, but uh, pops, we uh, we were able to play some golf earlier in the week. Yeah. I thought you uh, acquitted yeah. of yourself quite nicely. Well, I don't uh, know about you seem to enjoy yourself, and you got I, through it pain free. It looked like. Uh, well, that 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 part I, I did. I really did enjoy it. Uh, I uh, and 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 I was really happy that I that I could uh, swing the club. Without my shoulders mm-hmm. bothering me or anything, you know. So mm-hmm. that was great. That was great. I, I really did enjoy it. You were coming off that rotator cuff, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Hit some good shots, pops. I mean, well, I don't know. Bars, like I say, you know? I think the tee went further than my ball several mm-hmm. times. You know. Now, pops, you often claim that family and friends alike that you know cheat all the time at golf. Did I cheat? <laughs> Did I cheat when we played the other day? Or? No, no, not at all. Okay. Not all at right. all. I thought you did real well. Mm-hmm. Then you didn't cheat. You hit it right down the middle. That drive, you got that drive down pat. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Speaking of golf, you've got, uh, you've got the SEC Men's Championship over there in your neck of the woods, St. Simons Island, Georgia, just up the road from you, Pops, yeah. there. In yeah. Jacksonville and Alabama men right now, currently in second place in stroke play. The top eight will advance to uh, the they'll advance to the uh, match play coming uh-huh. up. And so Alabama in second place, safely inside those top eight that will advance to match play. You get up to St. Simon's much. St. Simon's is a great little place up there, pops. Nana loves St. Simon. Nana she, loves it. She loves it. We we go up there. She's constantly. We go to the uh, uh, the hotel Prince and uh, yeah, what what they call yes. it, what it, King and Prince or whatever. Yeah, romantic getaways for Nana. Well, I don't know yeah. the romantic part. Is, that was years ago. But the, the uh, <laughs> she 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 really likes it up there. So we go up there mm-hmm. whenever she gets the itch. Yeah. You know, time. I hear they do those couples massages up there at the, at no, the resort there no, in St. We, I don't know if they do uh, or not. I wouldn't be aware of that. You still won't do the couples massage? No, that's not you know, going to happen. That's not going to Never going to happen? No. Huh. Not going to happen. Would you just say that it's because it's weird, in your opinion, the couples yeah, very, massage is yeah. weird? Nah, I'm, I'm it's very still, weird. I know I'm an old fart, you know, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's just not going to happen. You know? Doesn't seem like anything good comes from these massages with these NFL people, Pops. You know. <laughs> what about I, 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 maybe Watson's into that? I don't know. I, I feel like yeah. know what what he's into. He uh, yeah. Well, I can assure you, Pops. I only enlist the services of licensed therapeutic <laughs> massage specialist, Pops. Massageologist, well, if that's 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 the way to go. But uh, mm-hmm. if there's a massage on the window, there's no telling what's mm-hmm. behind the door. You know? Oh no! Eighty dollars for the work. That's, that's, that's that might the, have to go on. That might have to go on a T-shirt from Pops. 80, if it 80, says massage uh, on the window, there's no telling what goes on behind the door. He said. You, you, you get the whole, have to put that on a T-shirt, Pops. Right. You want you want the oh. whole work. You know, and that, that's 80 uh, bucks. 
Jeez. What? Jeez, Pops. Hey, uh, <laughs> Pops, um, so we got Mother's Day coming up, and I've yeah. been told that I'm in charge of organizing <laughs> Mother's Day this year, so I'm enlisting you as co-chair. Well, I, co-chair I don't, you, you of don't have much of a co-chair. I for the Mother's that. Day activities, Pops. I'm in charge yeah. of cleanup. That's what I do. That's, that's You'll clean it. up? Yeah, yeah, we can use you then. We yeah. always need a good cleanup person. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm good. I for. can probably handle the cooking, but the moms, the moms are ta- are on Mother's Day strike. Pops, they unionize. <laughs> that's what the it moms. sounds like to me. And, yeah. Uh, so uh, that, that's that's going to fall on your your lap right there. But I don't you got clean up about all that. All right. Uh-huh. Well, what you got for lunch today? Well, you know, uh, the other night we went to. Uh, Mojo's had some ribs. I brought some home, and I'm going to have some for lunch. You know, that was a big old plate of barbecue you got from Mojo's. Yeah, yeah, you know? from Mojo's. We went to the track meet the other night over at school. Yeah, we were, you know, well, well, you were there. <laughs> yeah, I got to see. Uh, I got when to see I the took track those meet. ribs home, and I'm going to eat them today. Uh-huh. Yeah. We sat at the Stevie Ray Vaughn booth, pops. Stevie Ray Vaughn, that painting of Stevie and, Ray, right and there. Buddy Guy, like you know, Buddy Guy, Buddy Guy booth in there. Yeah, yeah. If you're ever in Northeast Florida, go by Mojo's if you like the blues and barbecue. Mm-hmm. They'll take care of you. Jason Isbell has played that Mojo's we were in yep. in the past for yep. crying out loud. Yep. Back before he hit it big, pops. Uh, I hear you. I'm, I'm All right, well, we're going to send you out with some of your boys. So have a good weekend. All right, my man. We'll talk to you later. There he goes, Pops, Bye. on a Friday. Pops and those massage discussions. Got to keep him away from those. Hey, thanks to Jacob Harrison, as always, for producing the show. Thanks to Charlie Potter for joining us as well. Speaking of lunch, the lunch whistle today, Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Great happy hour there at Southern Ale House. Great outdoor sitting area there as well. As the weather gets better, you got the outdoor music on Thursday night. So much going on, and it all starts with great service, great food. Great drink options as well at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Until 11 a.m. on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you.